So good to be with you this morning. My name is Tom Vanderell. It's an honor to be part of the teaching team here at Third Church. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, kind of focused on one verse this morning. If you grab your pew Bibles there, page 704, if you're looking it up in our Spanish Bibles, that would be page 613. I, um, by the way, I am not on staff here at Third. Some people don't know that. I, um, I actually own a company uh, that I worked with for the last almost 30 years, and we, uh, my company does uh, research, customer research. And something really interesting is in the 30 years, almost 30 years I've been working with it, if you go back the first 20 years, in general, when we would survey customers after they had had a customer service issue and contacted our client or company that hired us, there were basically two things that customers wanted. Number one, and the most important thing, the number one driver of customer satisfaction, was resolve my issue. I got an issue, I want it resolved. I have a question, I want it answered. The second thing the second driver was courtesy and friendliness. So resolve my issue and be nice, okay? That was it. And for 20 years, there might have been, you know, a little things that would pop up here or there depending on the company and the industry and the market that they were working in. But those two things were always, it was just those two things. And then about 10 years ago, we began seeing consistently this brand new emerging piece of the customer satisfaction pie, and it keeps growing over time. And that piece of the pie is time-related dimensions of service. So now, it's resolve my issue, but don't make me wait in the queue for 20 minutes before I get a human being. Answer my question, but I don't wanna be put on hold. I don't want to be transferred to somebody else. I want it resolved, and I want it resolved now. We are a culture that is increasingly losing our patience. We don't want to wait. And I get it. We live with a phone in our hand, in our pocket, in our purse that gives us instant access to more information than could have been contained in every library, all the libraries of the world 20, 30 years ago. Right there in the palm of the hand. Don't have to wait, just Google it. So now we come to Isaiah, the prophet, and he says, yet, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Just hold on to that second. The Lord longs, he longs to be gracious, to give you favor and honor and love and forgiveness that you don't deserve. He longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up and show you compassion, not condemnation, compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. 
Blessed are all who wait in a world that is increasingly impatient. Well, as Mike said, we are in between this, uh, this Sunday in between. We just finished Book of Revelation. Now we're going into Advent. And I don't know whether you know this or not, but Advent is always creates a conundrum for churches that celebrate Advent every year. Uh, and last few years, I mean, Kevin would come in, like, well, what do we do with Advent this year? Because we've been doing it every year. Every year the church does Advent. Every year we do the Advent season. What are we going to do this year? And it's hard because it does when you do it over and over and over and over again. It's like, how do you, how do you bring some new life to it? So I want to just acknowledge that this year, as we move from Revelation into Advent, it actually adds some layers of meaning to Advent that I want to unpack for us today, okay? So, first of all, when you, when we stand up and we do the Apostles' Creed, and multiple times a year we recite the Apostles' Creed, very old creed, and in that creed we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Now, I don't know about you, but I, growing up, was always kind of of a mind, like, wait a minute, I'm not Catholic, right? I, and I, I'm not, I mean, Pope seems like a nice guy, but he's, he's not my man, you know? So what is this Holy Catholic Church thing? Well, keep in mind that when you say Holy Catholic Church, Catholic is, from the, is the Latin word meaning universal. So when you say holy Catholic church, what you're saying is, I believe in the church, in the expansive, universal, every believer, every person who is part of the body of Christ, I believe in that expansive church that is beyond the borders and barriers of denominations. Now, let's go back to Revelation, because in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, and in fact, in, in chapter 5 and in chapter 13, we keep hearing this, that Jesus, through his blood, the lamb was slain, and through him made way for every nation and tribe and people and language to be part of the body of Christ. Every nation, tribe, people, and language. And when John got his revelation, there were no denominations. So I think you could even add to that. Every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, every denomination. Say, so, well, wait a minute, wait, wait, hold on. Bear with me this morning, okay? I had, I've had an experience over my spiritual journey of, of a lifetime being part of many different denominations and traditions. So I'd like, number one, to acknowledge that in this room, we have people that come from almost every spiritual background you can think. Uh, a year or two ago in the, in the auditorium down the hallway, I asked people to raise their hand. I'm not gonna do that this morning, but like, you know, hey, if you were raised reformed, and you know what? There were very few people that were raised in the reformed church. I thought that's a 
fascinating. We had people who raised Catholic. We had people that were Pentecostal. We had people that were, that were Christian reformed. We had people that were uh, mainline Presbyterian. We had people that had no spiritual background whatsoever. So I just want to acknowledge that in this room, we have people of every spiritual background. So again, give me an umbrella of mercy here. I'm gonna make some really broad generalizations this morning based on my observation. This is just my observation. Um, but in my experience, can we go to the chart there um, on page yeah, eight? Um, so when I was raised, I was raised in the Methodist church, which is kind of on this, to, the, to your right there on the spectrum. And it was, a, it was a mainline church. It was what we would call high church. I was raised in a choir, went as the part of the youth choir. We wore robes with stoles. We had every week, the service was like a pageant. You know, the, the choirs would proceed up to the swelling pipe organ and you'd come and there's this huge altar, this round that was raised above it. So the altar was really high and then there's a big gold cross hanging over the altar. And then from the cross, there was this eternal flame that was always burning. And then I found out that the eternal flame was just a 40 watt light bulb that the janitor had to make sure to change before it burned out. But we'd take a right and we'd go into the choir loft. And everything was about, you know, and it was really focused on words. People just pray from their heart. Prayers were always written. We're always reading things. We're always doing the liturgy. We're always doing the responsive readings. Everything was, folks, and it was tradition. Tradition, tradition, tradition. There's a story. I remember growing up in the Methodist church. There's a story of the youth choir that decided... Um, on their own, they said, you know what would be really cool uh, as they were getting towards Easter? If we all made uh, a cross, like little wooden crosses. And as they were practicing for that Easter Sunday, the, the intro processional hymn was um, Onward Christian Soldiers. So said, we're going to have these crosses and we're going to, going to, hold them up so they get there they're so excited and they get they're in the fellowship hall get waiting for the processional and they get their crosses and the pastor goes what what is that and they say oh well, we've we've made these crosses we're going to carry them up the procession and he goes no you're not that is not acceptable this is not part of the tradition you didn't get permission from anybody to do this put those crosses down so they lined up the crosses in the fellowship hall and proceeded down for the processional saying, onward Christian soldiers marching us to war with the cross of Jesus stuck behind the door. That's what I grew up with. Everything was traditional. And then, despite everything the Methodist church taught me, I still believed in God. That's a joke. Um, and I became a follower of Christ as a teenager. And at that point, I was open to a completely different. I kind of I went, I, I've been raised in this, but I found some 
a new place where it was different. And now if we move to the other side of the spectrum here, where there was this spirit of God that was alive and active and working and wanted to be in me. And I remember I went to a super eight motel with some Pentecostals and people were getting baptized in the spirit and falling down and speaking in tongues and by faith. And they were, they were, you know, healing people. And I'm like going, Whoa, this is, you know, I mean, we, I went from high church, eternal flame to the super eight motel. And instead, you know, that, that, that church was like all academic and is about, you know, being all theology and everything, but these people are all about expression and being alive and having the Holy Spirit. And it was grassroots and it was emotional. So over my lifetime, I have, <laughs> I have been on staff and pastored churches all across this spectrum. I pastored a Quaker church for three years. Now, what's interesting about the Quaker church is that they the Quaker church came out of the Church of England. Church of England's over here, big, like they're, they're like Catholic church light for, for Britain. And so the Quakers protested, Protestant, that's where we get the protest. They protested. Why? Because in the Anglican church, if you get baptized as a baby, they believe that well, all you have to do is get sprinkled as a baby and then you're going to heaven for sure. No matter what happens, no matter next, you're done, you're in. And if you go every week and take the Eucharist, the actual body and blood of Christ, they believe, then if you, as long as you do that every week, you will make it to heaven. Well, the Quakers said, that's not true. It's not about, it's about a change of heart. It's about knowing Christ as your savior. So what they did is they protested, they threw all of that out. In the Quaker church, there is no communion. There is no baptism. Why? Because we don't want people to get it wrong. And in the Quaker church, you sit around in a circle and everybody just waits for the Holy Spirit to move. Somebody to stand up and speak. Imagine how awkward that is. Yeah. So here we have the spectrum of believers. And here's what I've experienced being in Presbyterian churches and Methodist churches. And I've got, I have friends that I know are sold out, spirit-filled Christ-loving believers and disciples of Christ who are Catholic and are Pentecostal and are, are Presbyterian and are, are, are Quakers. Everywhere I go, I meet people. So when I read about the Holy Catholic Church, what I'm saying is that's believers from the entire spectrum are part of this. And with people of every tribe and nation and language and people, that's what we're talking about. I'm part of the big C church. But we also have to recognize that in Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus tells the parable of the sheep and the goats, we're not gonna take time to read the whole thing today, but go back home and read it in Matthew chapter 25. What Jesus says is there's gonna be on judgment day, when we get to that, that day in Revelation that we've been talking about, there are going to be people across the spectrum 
who were going to be there and said, but Jesus, we, I, I, went to, I went to the Quaker meeting and I even stood up and talked a few times. I went every Sunday. I was baptized as a child, as a baby. And I went every Sunday and I had communion. And Jesus went, I, I, went, to, I went to church and you know, every once in a while I gave some money. And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Because it's not, it's not about the ritual or the religion or the going through the, the motions, whether it is high church liturgy or whether it is holy Roland Pentecostal. You can go through the motions in any church and not know Jesus. So, as we come to Advent, Warning, two warnings. For those of you who on the spectrum have been raised over on this side, maybe you're somewhere in this where yeah, I was raised in, in, in Advent, doing it every year. The warning for us is this. Tradition easily loses its meaning in repetition. It easily loses its meaning in repetition. So those of us who have been raised with it, and it's, it's the same thing we've done our whole lives, we may have to break out and find something new in the tradition. For those of us who are raised on the spectrum over here, like I, I, I have to, uh, to Phil DeBoof, who used to be our pastoral care pastor, and he's now down in Missouri with Deb, and I love Phil. Phil was a pastor in the Nazarene church. He was way over here. And so when he came on staff and was part of the teaching team, Phil, when it came to Advent, he was just, he just didn't know what to do. He'd never done this before, this whole Advent thing. And it just feels like it, it's, it's not in the scriptures, it's about tradition. And he was raised in a church that protested all that stuff. So he was just uncomfortable because he'd never done it before. And that's where a lot of times we are if we've been raised over on this side of the spectrum. Because it feels maybe stuffy. But here's the warning for us on this side of the spectrum. It's easy to throw the baby out with the tradition. With the bathwater. Because there are things about the tradition that have important and, and really powerful meaning. So if you're on this side of the spectrum, you may need to open your heart to say, maybe I need to try it <laughs> rather than dismiss it. Maybe I need to open up the fact that God may have something for me in the Advent tradition. So, let's talk a little bit about Advent. Advent comes from the Latin word also, uh, Adventus, meaning coming or arrival. And we always think of Advent in terms of Christmas, right? Because we have the Advent calendar and, and we do it every Christmas and it's all about getting us and waiting for the Christ of Christmas. But there are actually three separate 
arrivals that we celebrate in Advent. So this might be new for you. I want you to consider this. So first of all, there is, yes, the first coming is when Jesus came to Bethlehem that we celebrate in Christmas. And that is part of the Advent tradition as we prepare our hearts for the coming of the Christ child. But the second, the second celebration of Advent is the second coming of Christ that we talked about in the book of Revelation. It is the how long, O oh Lord, how long until you come and bring justice? How long till you come and we can experience the fullness of your salvation? How long until you, you wipe out evil and you create a new heaven and new earth? That's that longing, that he longs to be compassionate. He longs to bring this to us. So how long do we have to wait? See, that's layered in there as well. So as we are preparing for the coming of Christmas, the coming of the Christ child, we are also preparing for something that, okay, with, with Christmas, we're walking with something that has already happened. We are waiting with the exiles. But with the second coming, we're waiting for something that has yet to happen. So we are remembering and we are looking forward to something that hasn't happened yet. But then we have the third arrival, and that is the coming of Christ into the heart of everyone who would open their heart to believe in him, to receive him into their life, to be their Lord and King and Savior. And that's where you come in. Because the other thing that we celebrate in Advent is Jesus coming to me, coming to you, new and afresh, renewing that presence of Christ in me. Advent is about embracing the weight. So let's think about a little bit about Christmas. Because in a world that is increasingly impatient and doesn't want to wait, the whole reason the Jesus movement took over the world in the first century, as we studied back in the book of Acts a few years ago, is because the believers of Christ were countercultural. They weren't protest, they weren't anti, they were counter. They were providing a different way. They were called the people of the way. And they gave people something different in the way they responded to people, in the way they lived, in the way they acted, that made them go, hmm, nobody does that. Why do they do that? So let's think about Advent in terms of being counter-cultural. So we talk about a couple of ideas. One, Christmas is so commercial, isn't it? It is. I mean, we were hearing Christmas music weeks before Thanksgiving. Anybody else get sick of that? Like, come on. So maybe I need to find ways to make it not about the commercial nostalgia. Maybe I need to make it about the waiting 
something spiritual about it. And again, there's lots of different ways you can do it. How could you do that? How could you step into the spiritual and not the commercial? Let's think about that. Christmas is all about being busy, isn't it? And we get, I don't know about you, but more often than not, I get to January 2nd and go, oh, thank you, it's over. Pack it up, put it back in storage. Because it's so busy and we're so tired and we had so many crackers and cheese and cheese balls and chocolate and pie and we and we go from here to there to there to there to there to there and we're all tired. So maybe Advent is about being countercultural and saying, wait a minute, we're gonna push the pause button multiple times a week. You know what, I'm gonna, I am gonna go to my car during my lunch break and sit in the quiet. <laughs> I am going to find places where during my week I am gonna just hit the pause button, I'm gonna get by myself in a quiet place and maybe I read some scripture or maybe I just listen to some, maybe I just sit in silence. And Christmas, is a lot about getting, and I, I get it. Yeah, we all know it's about giving, but come on, who doesn't go, I wonder what they're gonna give me for Christmas this year. And we go, yes, 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 it's about giving. I'm only, I wanna to give to my grandkids, but everybody does that. I wanna to give to the kids, I wanna be generous with my children, but come on, everybody does that. Yes, I wanna be generous with, with my team members and my employees, I wanna be generous with, with my friends, but everyone does that. Maybe this year we need to do something that is about radical generosity. Where it is, I am going to do something that is unexpected. Something where I am generous in a way someone goes, nobody ever does that. Hmm. So, I am so excited um, about where we're going in Advent this year. I am so excited for for Darren and Katie and Clayton and what they put together along with our executive board, what Mike and the worship team and Hannah and everybody have, have got planned this, uh, this Advent because they have created for us opportunities, no matter where we are on the spectrum, opportunities to kind of maybe break and, and try something new and find a fresh spirit this Advent season. So a couple of action steps. One, uh, Mike is put together an Advent playlist. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So maybe we pull out the Advent playlist and have that playing in the background at the house. Just thinking about in the background. Songs, music, words that have something special to teach us in the Advent season. We're going to practice radical generosity, a reverse offering. More, Clayton's got more about that next week. We're gonna have opportunities to hit the pause button on Wednesdays in Advent, right here in the sanctuary. Every Wednesday, we're gonna have worship. An opportunity to kind of go, look, I never do this, but midweek, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna take some time and I'm gonna go to the church and I'm just gonna sit and worship between Sundays. So those are opportunities that the church is facilitating for you. But I wanna ask you this morning, would you be open, even this morning as we finish up, we're gonna do our usual thing. We're gonna have uh, elders and deacons serving communion. 
Uh, we don't have any prayer ministers this morning because uh, taking a break for the Thanksgiving weekend. Um, but would you just open your heart as we worship with a few songs and finish with communion to just say, Lord, what can I do? What would you have me do this Advent season to experience it new and fresh? Let's pray. And God, I pray right now that Holy Spirit, you will, um, yeah, that you will speak, that you'll move, that you will speak to each of us in the quiet and in our worship, that you will, each one individually, prompt us with something that we can do to embrace the weight. In Jesus' name.